Hello and welcome to the ULFM News Podcast, your weekly roundup of all the latest local, national and international news. It's Saturday and our reporters are here with everything you need to know. I'm Molly Cantwell. Your headlines this week include the 2021 UL student election winners, Charity Week has been cancelled and we bring you all the latest in UL Wolves, Clubs and Societies news. Over to our correspondents for this week's roundup. The 2021-2022 Student Life Sabbatical Officers were elected on Thursday. The election followed a week of online campaigning by seven candidates for the four positions of President, Welfare Officer, Academic Officer and Communities Officer. The newly elected team are Killian O'Donoghue as President, Sean Milkern as Welfare Officer, Alice Hines as Academic Officer and Jordan Cashels as Communities Officer. The turnout in this year's election was unusually low. It is only the second turnout lower than 3,300 votes since 2012, with the other occurring in 2019. In further election coverage, the ULFM news team would like to apologise for the absence of debates between the election candidates for this week's coverage. While these debates are an annual tradition in ULFM, they can only proceed with the cooperation of UL Student Life this year, and our offer to run them did not receive a response. However, we can confirm that we will be conducting interviews with the new SABAT team and we will be hosting debates for the upcoming PSU elections. UL Student Life has announced the cancellation of Charity Week 2021. In an exclusive statement to ULFM News, Student President Keen O'Quinlan emphasised the €1,100 raised for the Charity Week charities by Welfare Officer Patter Collins across Semester 1. O'Quinlan explained that the decision to cancel was taken for two reasons. UL Student Life were concerned that if an online charity week went ahead, it could be used as an excuse by a minority of students to engage in social activities in breach of lockdown restrictions. The union was also worried about the risk of Zoom fatigue, lowering engagement and damaging charity week's reputation for enjoyable, good-natured fundraising. Criticism of the decision to cancel was led on social media by former Vice President of the PSU and former Student Life Society's officer, Declan Mills. When contacted by ULFM News for Comment, he had this to say. The issue of antisocial behaviour would obviously be a very big concern for the union, but cancelling Charity Week isn't going to stop it. It's just going to take away a good news story that could be a distraction from it. I mean, the NUIG banned Rag Week forever in 2011, and here we are in 2021, and there's still an NUIG unofficial Rag Week every year. As for Zoom fatigue, I can understand that being a very big concern, uh, but as I highlighted in my criticism of the cancellation on Twitter, uh, Zoom fatigue hasn't stopped clubs and societies from running events pretty well every week throughout the lockdown, and it hasn't stopped clubs and societies from running online charity fundraisers. The Game Society actually ran a 24-hour live stream charity fundraiser for the Irish Cancer Society that ended only a couple of hours before Student Life announced the decision to cancel Charity Week on the grounds that online charity live streams weren't sustainable. So I can't say I'm particularly happy with the justification with this decision. I can't say I'm particularly happy with the decision itself. Um, as an alumnus of clubs and societies and somebody who spent a very long time in student politics, uh, obviously this decision doesn't particularly apply to me as I'm only finishing off a PhD, but I do think that it's something that needs to be reflected on going forwards because we can't, we don't necessarily have a situation where everything's just going to be magically back to normal by this time next year. Some business is still going to be conducted online 
and the union needs to innovate into finding ways around these issues instead of just giving up and throwing their hands up. However, in his statement to ULFM News, O'Quinlan also drew attention to the upcoming student officers quiz, which he hopes will serve as a focal point for charitable donations. Best of luck to our new student officers. Over to our clubs and societies correspondent Chloe for all the latest. The UL Trampoline and Gymnastics Club have announced they will be hosting their annual general meeting virtually on Friday, April 2nd. The AGM will elect the committee for the coming 2021-2022 academic year and candidates interested in joining the committee are to write a brief outline as to why they should be elected for their desired position. Five euro membership must be paid prior to the AGM if you wish to attend. Links and times to the AGM will be posted on the UL Trampoline Socials in due course. The UL Craft Society Convention takes place this weekend and will feature panellists from a range of disciplines from across the country. The schedule of events throughout the weekend will consist of panels on digital art and animation, traditional crafts, performing arts and design and sustainability. Pre-registration is required via Eventbrite to ensure attendance at the events. More information on the panels and panellists can be found on the UL Craft social media pages. Hello, my name is Sean McGowan and I'm the events officer for the UL Craft Society. I'm here to tell you that we're having a crafts convention this weekend. There'll be four panels, they'll be taking place across the two days to each evening. They'll be going from about 7 o'clock till 10pm each evening. And the tickets are free. So if you're interested, please uh, click the link in our Instagram bio and you can grab some there. A little bit about the event. We'll be having some traditional artists like blacksmiths, some pyrographers, basket weavers, tattoo artists and some traditional painters. Then on our digital art panel, we'll be having a photographer, some animators and graphic designers. Then there'll be a performing arts panel with makeup artists, SFX, and some cosplayers. These people will be coming from around the country, some from Limerick, some from Cork, and some from up in the north. And finally, we'll be having a sustainability panel. Some people will be coming on to chat to us a bit about how they take old products and they recycle them to create new beautiful crafts. Overall, we'll be having these 28 panelists coming on to chat to us a bit about their inspiration, the processes and some of the challenges that they meet when doing what they do. I think it's important to shed light on the journey and show that it's not always a gift or something that they're born with. A scenario where these people have to pick up a skill set and hone their skills, there's a learning curve and everything like that. So I think it's good to show people that these hobbies aren't out of their reach. It's something that they can learn to do. Another reason why we're also doing this event is because it's great to promote these little local businesses. During COVID, it's been difficult for them to get any attention. There's no work for arts. So we are putting up a exhibition, a digital exhibition online where you can check out some of the products that they have available and the links to their websites. So again, if you're interested in coming, please pick up a ticket for your mum, <laughs> one for your sister. Uh, they're free, they're open to everyone, not just UL students, and they're in the bio on our Instagram, as well as our UL Wolves page. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk, and please do not hesitate to send us any messages. If you have any questions, you can send it to our UL Wolves page or ulcraftsock at gmail.com. The University of Limerick Fencing Club will be taking part in the Dublin University Fencing Club InterVarsity's Charity Relay in aid of Jigsaw Ireland. The Charity Relay begins Friday March 26th and will run until April 11th. 
The aim of the competition is to achieve the longest continuous relay as a team in any distance covering activity. You can join in any way, such as running, walking or cycling. You do not have to physically meet to pass on the relay, but the next person will start their distance within 15 minutes of the last to pass. Anyone who wants more information or would be interested in being part of the UL team should either email ulfencingclub at gmail.com or contact at ulfencingclub on Instagram. Hi, my name is Siobhan and I'm the Public Relations Officer for UL Fencing Club. We would just like to let you know that we will be taking part in a charity relay event hosted by Dublin University Fencing Club in aid of Jigsaw Ireland. The aim of this event is to achieve the longest continuous relay through any distance covering sport, such as walking, running, cycling or rowing. We would be delighted if you could support us in any way you can. For more information, you can check out our social media at UL Fencing Club or send us an email at ulfencingclub at gmail.com. Thank you. The president of the UL Astronomy Society, Mary O'Donnell, has won the NUIG This Is Engineering video competition. Sponsored by Engineers Ireland, West Region, in collaboration with SFI, MAREI Centre and NUI Galway, This Is Engineering Film Festival aims to explain engineering to primary and secondary school students through original, imaginative and engaging videos that arrest, entertain, provoke thought and showcase engineering. Speaking to ULFM on her win, Mary said, When I got the email about the competition, I was so excited to have a chance to share my views on the engineering field. My video concept was simple, resources very limited, but I believed the simplicity really helped hone in on the question, what is engineering? Hey, my name is Mary O'Donnell. I'm in second year in aeronautical engineering and the winner of the This Is Engineering Short Film Fest. This video highlights stereotypes, diversity, inclusion, the endless applications of, and my own passions for, engineering and STEM. I wanted to document how the field is open to everyone and anyone, and that all it takes is standing true to your own interests, a bit of bravery, and through engineering, you can bring the future to the present. I am an avid ambassador when it comes to promoting STEM, particularly women in STEM. My own course is notorious for having very few girls, but I hope my video inspires change, that anyone can be an engineer. Through my course, Outreach with the Institute of Physics SOFIA project, my role as a president in the Astronomy Society, and now this win, it just adds to the increase inclusion in the engineering and STEM sector. This is Chloe O'Keefe, ULFM News, Castle Troy, County Limerick. UL Games Society have been running a series of charity live streams in aid of Irish Cancer Society. Following the success of their fundraising efforts for the World Health Organization last year, GSOC are raising funds for cancer patients, survivors and their families. All money raised will help support vital services such as night nurses, the support line, daffodil centres and more. The streams will be running until the 29th of March. President Jeremy Peely had this to say about the initiative. So off the back of the previous charity stream that we did in December around Christmas time in aid of the World Health Organization, we feel like in this time of struggle that we're all in right now, doing what you can to help out those who are really hurting would be the best thing to be doing. So this is why we're absolutely delighted to be working with the Irish Cancer Society in raising funds for their Daffodil Day initiative because in a time where everyone is forced to be kept apart to keep each other safe people who are 
needing comfort and companionship the most are those who need the most support and cancer patients and their families are some of the most vulnerable in this time because these people are in a terrible place and not being able to be surrounded by the ones that they love just is a another level of pressure that they don't need to be dealing with so any funds that we can raise to help them and make sure that they get everything that they need even in this time of stress that everyone is facing would mean the world to them and this is why we're so happy to do these additional um, charity streams for uh, such a noble cause. Lots of information there for our listeners. Thanks, Chloe. Now on to local news. As reported in Live 95 this week, Pieta House Limerick has reported a jump in numbers seeking help from their services. The National Suicide and Self-Harm Prevention Charity has estimated that they have delivered 8,236 hours of counselling in Limerick since 2019. They have also reported that 1,208 people have used their services in Limerick within the same time frame. Nora Conway, clinical manager in Pieta Limerick, has said that the number of hours of counselling Pieta delivers reflects the huge needs for counselling in the area. To make an appointment with Pieta House, simply call 0818111126 for further information. Conway noted that if people are unable to come into the centre due to the pandemic, staff are offering video and phone counselling until it is safe and appropriate for them to attend in person. Over €100 million Euro in government funding has been allocated to two major Limerick City initiatives. Housing, Local Government and Heritage Minister Dara O'Brien has confirmed the details of these allocations under the Urban and Regeneration Development Fund. Plans for a new world-class waterfront will take up €73.4 million Euro of this investment. The waterfront will include the development of the Cleves Riverside Quarter and the construction of new pedestrian bridges and public realm works. A realigning of the public road at Arthur's Quay and Honan's Quay, facilitating a redevelopment of the Arthur's Quay retail area, is also proposed. The 42.61 million left has been allocated to the Living Limerick City Centre initiative. Speaking about the funding, Minister O'Brien said, The projects are all about making these areas even more attractive places in which to live, work, visit and invest. He also noted that he believes this funding can be a catalyst for regeneration, development and growth. Henry Street Gardaí have discovered a fully operational, unlicensed bar in a garage adjacent to a private premises in Limerick. The Gardaí searched this private premises on Saturday in relation to alleged breaches of the liquor licensing legislation in support of the current public health measures. A spokesperson for the Gardaí has said the premises was found to be equipped with a fully functioning toilet, a television and a dartboard. The spokesperson added that a significant amount of alcohol was seized, including six beer kegs, along with four beer dispenser taps, gas regulators and optic dispensers. Nobody was present at the time of the operation, although there were a number of glasses on the tables with the remnants of alcohol inside them when Gardi arrived. Inquiries are ongoing and a file will be prepared for the Director of Public Prosecution. This has been Molly Cantwell, local news correspondent, Limerick. From a landmark decision regarding climate action in the Dáil to all things COVID-19 ahead of April 5th and more. 
Here's Conan with the latest in politics. Now, this week in politics. In COVID-19 news, as April 5th approaches, more questions are being asked of the Irish government regarding the reopening of services. As the date nears, there are hopes that Ireland's mass immunisation programme will allow Ireland to reopen quicker than many currently predict, but health officials are warning of a fourth wave following Mother's Day, St. Patrick's Day and new reported variants of the virus entering the country. Despite this, it is looking increasingly likely that the construction industry will be allowed to reopen after April 5th following intense lobbying from the industry's main representative group, the Construction Industry Federation. As well as this, there may also be an increase in the current travel restrictions, potentially increasing from 5km to 8 or even 10km. Publicans and restaurant owners are still demanding clarification, however, regarding how and when the hospitality industry will reopen. Groups such as the Vintners Federation of Ireland are calling for a clear roadmap regarding the reopening of their businesses, while many are calling for the distinction between wet pubs and pubs that serve food to be done away with in the next phase reopening. Many within the industry believe that at least half of Ireland's pubs and restaurants will be forced to shut permanently following the adverse consequences brought about by the pandemic. In other news, a landmark decision regarding climate action has been reached in the Dáil, passing a bill that if abided by will mean that Ireland will be carbon neutral by 2050. The bill also means that Ireland must stringently follow Paris Agreement regulation regarding carbon budgets while setting goals for the reduction of Ireland's carbon footprint, hoping for a 51% reduction by 2030 and full carbon neutrality by 2050. The bill will also ensure that government ministers maintain responsibility for ensuring that their constituencies follow climate action regulation, while strengthening the role and authority of the Climate Change Advisory Council. In other news, a live discussion on the topic of a United Ireland took place in the Clare Byrne Show on RT on March 22nd, featuring Taoiseach Michal Martin, Tánis de Leo Varadkar, Sinn Féin President Mary Lou Macdonald and many former politicians and historians. The issue was thoroughly debated as for the first time in decades the issue was acknowledged publicly by Irish government officials. While it was made clear that there would be many logistical issues in reunifying Ireland, the debate may serve as a landmark going forward as the possibility of a border poll before the end of the decade grows more realistic. In other news, UCD Professor Dolores Cahill has resigned from her position as chair in the controversial Irish Freedom Party. The academic's departure from the party comes following the UCD student union calling for an investigation into her conduct after reports of her attendance at an anti-lockdown protest on St. Patrick's Day. As well as this, following the UCD student union statement last Friday, it has also emerged that the Gardaí and the Irish Freedom Party have both launched investigations into the issue. This has been Conan the Cloud, political correspondent reporting from Ennis, County Clare. This week in crime, we bring you news of drugs and cigarette seizures by revenue and a man fearful of his brother's release from prison. Over to Faith, our crime correspondent. Around €136,000 worth of illegal drugs and cigarettes were seized by revenue officers in three different operations on Monday. Two detective dogs, both called Bailey, assisted in conducting seizures at the Dublin and Athlone Mayo Centres. Boxing equipment, dough craft toy, fishing tackle, beef jerky and ice hockey equipment were used to declare the items in the parcel. Contents of the parcel included cocaine, butane honey oil and cannabis-based products estimated to be worth of 77000 A man and two women were found dead in an apparent murder-suicide in County Antrim. It is understood the man stabbed his own mother and killed his girlfriend during two separate incidents. Three bodies were found in different locations in Newtown Abbey. Announcing the investigation for the double murder, police say they are not looking into anyone else. Brother of convicted murderer Frank McCann is fearful of his brother's release from Arbor Hill Prison. Bernard McCann gave evidence to help convict his brother for killing his wife and his baby in 1992. Frank McCann set fire to the house while his wife and baby slept. McCann is believed to have set the house on fire to cover up the fact that he had gotten a 17-year-old girl pregnant years before. This has been Faith Savage, crime correspondent, Castle Troy, Limerick.
In international news, the State of Israel take to the polls once again, AstraZeneca vaccine export strife and trouble at the Suez Canal. Here's Jordan with more. The State of Israel took to the polls this week for the fourth time in two years after two deadlocks in April and September 2019, which resulted in another election in March 2020, which subsequently resulted in a national unity government that ultimately failed. The incumbent Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is projected to win the most seats from exit polls from Tuesday evening's election. The European Union and the United Kingdom remain at loggerheads over the exporting of the AstraZeneca vaccines, with European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen signalling her preparedness to block the vaccine exports under Article 122 of the Lisbon Treaty, which allows for the blocking of exports in emergency situations. The UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has ruled out any retaliatory measures. We will have more on this story as it develops. The Suez Canal, a trade route accounting for 10% of global maritime trade and a pivotal point of entry for Asian goods into European markets, has been blocked by a 299 meters long ship named the Evergiven, which has turned sideways in a canal that is 224 meters long. Dutch company Vascalus, responsible for resolving the situation, signaled it could take weeks to resolve. This has been Jordan Fenland, international news correspondent, Delvin Westmead. Now to Kayla, our health correspondent, with news of a possible COVID-19 surge, mandatory hotel quarantine, and what's the latest with cancer services and the HSE's pandemic plan? Mandatory hotel quarantine in Ireland will come into effect this Friday the 26th of February. The cost for incoming passengers coming from one of 33 designated countries would be €1,875 for 12 nights. The rules also apply to any passenger who arrives into Ireland without holding a negative PCR test for COVID-19. The day rate for those passengers will be €150. The first place that will be available to host arriving passengers is the Crown Plaza Dublin Airport Hotel and Santry. The new quarantine rules come into play from 4am on Friday. Anyone found not to comply can be fined up to €2,000 or face a prison sentence of up to one month. Exemptions will be made for those travelling for time-sensitive medical reasons. Air crew, along with members of Angarda Shiakana or Defence Forces are some of which are also exempt as they are travelling with regards to their duty. A person can leave quarantine early if they test negative after 10 days. Professor Martin Cormack in the Health Service Executive's clinical lead has warned that the country could be looking at another surge in COVID-19 cases. Speaking to RTE Radio 1, he said, We need to be very careful. We are pretty much stuck and we could be looking at another surge. He also added, The more we come together, the more the virus spreads. The new strain spreads even faster. Gatherings remain a huge risk factor for everybody, including occasions such as funerals and birthday parties. This was seen by the spread of COVID-19 in some workplaces and other areas in which people come together. Cancer services will not fully resume until the end of the year under the HSE's pandemic plan. Outpatient appointments and elective procedures are to be fully restored from June. 30% of health appointments will be conducted on the phone or by video call, according to the three-phase plan drawn up by the health service executive. The plan suggests it will be autumn before the backlog of appointments and procedures is addressed and will require input from the private sector. This has been Kayla Timothy, Health Correspondent, Clare Galway, County Galway. And now for the latest news, fixtures and results from our sports correspondent, Sive. This week in sport, Ireland began their World Cup qualifying campaign with a defeat to Serbia this week. Facing a 3-2 loss to Serbia on Wednesday night, 
This is a blow for the Republic of Ireland's 2022 Qatar hopes. The team will now have to win the group or finish in second place to enter playoffs for a prize qualification position. Tipperary jockey Rachel Blackmore made history at last week's Cheltenham Festival. Blackmore celebrated a hugely successful week, being crowned top jockey on Friday, the first woman to secure the coveted award. Taking home six wins, she also made history with the victory aboard Honeysuckle in the champion hurdle. The 31-year-old, now the only woman to have won the title. On to our final segment of the ULFM News Roundup, Entertainment. Here's Lauren with Kardashian News, Demi Lovato's heartfelt documentary, the latest in the David Dobrik scandal and more. On Sunday night, Keeping Up With The Kardashians aired the first episode of its 20th and final season on E! This last season is going to cover some very big moments from the family's lives, including Kim Kardashian filing for divorce from Kanye West and Khloe Kardashian's struggles with IVF treatment. Since the series started back in 2007, some of the family's biggest and most important moments have come to light on screen. Caitlyn Jenner's transition, Kim and Courtney's physical altercation and Kylie Jenner's transformation from 10-year-old baby of the family to billionaire and makeup mogul, not forgetting her lip filler fiasco, to name a few. The series has also brought the world some extremely iconic scenes, including Kris Jenner's You're Doing Amazing Sweetie, Courtney Kardashian's Kim There's People That Are Dying, in response to her sister losing her diamond earring in the ocean, and Chris's Kim, will you stop taking pictures of yourself? Your sister is going to jail moment. Fans have expressed sadness about the series ending online, with some fans tweeting, I'm honestly way too sad over Keeping Up With The Kardashians ending, and really sad this is the last season of Keeping Up With The Kardashians. On Tuesday, March 23rd, Demi Lovato released her four-part documentary on her YouTube channel, Dancing With The Devil. The documentary deals with the lead up to and the aftermath of her 2018 overdose. It gives us a raw inside look at how her childhood trauma influenced her drug and alcohol abuse and how it spiralled out of control. She talks about the fact that she was very good at hiding her drug use from her friends and colleagues. Lovato reveals that after the overdose she had three strokes, a heart attack, stroke induced brain damage, pneumonia and suffered multiple organ failure. She also announced that she can no longer drive and has permanent blind spots in her vision. Her doctors allegedly told her that if her assistant had found her even 10 minutes later, she would not be alive right now. The documentary gives insight from her close friends and family about the signs they noticed and how they have helped Demi on her new journey to sobriety. We also hear from Demi about the eating disorder that took over her for the majority of her adult life. The documentary has received positive reviews online and in comments for shedding light on and removing the stigma from the important topic of drug abuse. Many celebrities, including Ashley Benson and Cara Delevingne, have publicly expressed their support for Demi. YouTube star and content creator David Dobrik has come under fire over the past few weeks for accusations made by former friend and blog squad member Seth Francois. Seth claimed Dobrik had sexually assaulted him during a skit for his vlog by swapping out squad member Corinna Koff for older member Jason Nash during a kissing scene without Seth's consent. After a few weeks of ignoring accusations and shifting blame, Dobrik finally accepted accountability in a video titled Let's Talk. The star faced enormous backlash over this video as it was only 2 minutes and 32 seconds long 
and was extremely vague and was only posted to his podcast channel. Over the following days, however, accusations came to light against another former friend and member, Dom Zaglatis. Several girls claimed they had been invited to an apartment by Dobrik and his friends to film for his vlog. Events unfolded as the night went on with the girls, all under the legal drinking age, all ending up extremely intoxicated. One of these girls, Hannah, has now claimed that she was raped by Zaglatis that night. Dobrik and other friends, Jeff Whittick and Todd Smith, are now under fire with Dobrik being held accountable for allowing the people involved to be put in the position and with Whittick and Smith being questioned over allegations they bought the alcohol. Many of Dobrik's sponsors have cut ties with him in light of the allegations, including long-time partnerships. David himself has made the decision to step back from his camera app, Dispo, to avoid the brand and team behind the app being dragged into the controversy. Since then, David Dobrik has released another video on his main channel, which fans and critics alike have deemed more emotional and meaningful. In this video, he accepts full responsibility for his part taken on the night. He offers full support to the victims in question and pledges to change his ways in the future. He has announced that he will be taking a small break from the internet to fully reflect on what has happened. Elton John has opened up his annual pre-Oscar party to the public by making it virtual. This year the event will be held over Zoom with tickets costing $20 and available for purchase on Ticketmaster with all proceeds going to the Elton John AIDS Foundation. The party, which in past years was infamously hard to get an invite to, is being hosted by Neil Patrick Harris and guests are being treated to a special performance by Dua Lipa. The party will take place an hour before the main event and will be streamed four times to cater for different time zones. In a statement, John said, This year, we are bringing our Oscar party into people's homes for the first time virtually for an unforgettable evening with David, myself, our dear friend Neil Patrick Harris and the incredible Dua Lipa, plus many fabulous surprise names. Now more than ever, we need to ensure that one pandemic does not override another and we cannot forget the 38 million people living with HIV globally who need our care, love and support, so we hope everyone joins us for this special one-of-a-kind Oscar pre-party. This has been Lauren Heaver, entertainment correspondent, Gory Wexford. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for more from the ULFM news team.